Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hello, America. Happy Sunday. What a show we got planned for you. We're going to top it off with Alan Dershowitz. There were so many extraordinary revelations in the last 20 days about the state of censorship in America, state-sanctioned censorship, the FBI, federal agencies involved in pressuring social media and news media platforms. Alan Dershowitz is going to give us the legal view of it. And then Tom Fitton from Digital Watch is going to give us the accountability view. What can be done? What needs to be found out? Who needs to be held accountable? What laws need to be passed? We're going to cover the court side. We're going to cover the accountability side back to back at the top of the show with Alan Dershowitz, Tom Fitton, two great friends. Then we're going to take you to a member of Congress who's leaving who made a really important mark. She was the only Republican elected in New Mexico. Yvette Harrell's joining us. Some parting thoughts as she leaves Congress about what Congress can do next year, what needs to be done, the outrage of a year-end spending bill that plows trillions more onto the U.S. economy. We're going to cover all that with her. Then my good friend, the great neurosurgeon, the great former presidential candidate, the great former Secretary of HUD, Ben Carson's in the house. We're going to talk about his new cancel-proof bank, which is really getting wave old glory bank. He and John Rich and others have created this bank to be cancel-proof. We've been talking about it. He's going to talk about what motivated him. Is cancel culture here to stay? He gives a very provocative answer. You're definitely going to want to hear about that. And then we're going to finish up with a new member of Congress, someone who's coming in for the first time as Congress, former military veteran, now a Republican in what used to be a blue district in Florida, Corey Mills. He's got some new legislation that is going to sock it to any young bookmaker, any publishers of books for children, if they intend to put pornographic or sexually explicit images in those books going forward, get around a parent's rights. He's going to make it a federal felony under a law. He's going to tell us about that new law, which will be his first piece of legislation when he moves from congressman-elect to congressman on January 3rd. He's going to bring us up to speed. You're going to hear about that first. So a great show, top to bottom. Alan Dershowitz all the way down to Corey Mills, everybody in between. Sit in for a great Sunday afternoon. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We're going to hear from our commercial sponsors, and then we'll start off with our conversation with Alan Dershowitz right after this. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They've successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they've also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.us slash just news. That's AMAC.us forward slash just news. He is uh, the Harvard Law Professor Emeritus, the author of one of my favorite books, The Price of Principle, Alan Dershowitz. Alan, great to have you back on the show. Well, it's great to be back. I'm calling from Israel, where the same and similar debates are going on about the Supreme Court, about the power of the executive and the legislature. It happens in all democracies. And it's a healthy debate to have. It's a good to recenter every so often. Um, Alan, I want to start with uh, the kind of the big picture that we now have. After five or six releases of the Twitter files, the uh, deposition from the FBI agent who acknowledged the FBI had a command post that was making censorship requests, the, the picture that we're getting of our government and big tech working together and its impact on front speech, uh, free speech. Extremely dangerous because private companies have their own First Amendment right to censor. But when you combine that with the government, particularly surreptitiously trying to put the thumb on the scale, you get the worst of all possible worlds. You get the private entity censoring, so there's no First Amendment right to object to, but the government, in effect, being the ones to make the decision what to censor. So it's extremely dangerous. I think we have to have some lawsuits, perhaps some congressional hearings about the entire issue of the relationship between government actors 
and the private uh, sector, particularly when the private sector determines what people can see and hear in so many cases today. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people looking over, you know, the five and five or six installments of this, one of the things that was most shocking to me is that when Twitter didn't have the the already written rules to justify an action, whether it was removing the Hunter Biden laptop story or censoring and, and taking down President Trump's account, they either just made up rules or they said, screw it, let's just do it anyway. Is there anything that you have seen so far that is specifically litigatable? And if so, what? Yeah, I think the thing that's most litigatable is any relationship between the government and the private sector. Uh, the private sector doesn't have to have rules. They can decide they just like things uh, that they'll put on and they don't put on any things they don't like. Uh, the Supreme Court held in a case involving the Miami Herald that you can't make a private company print something it doesn't want to print. But when that heavy thumb of government censorship is on the scale, everything is different. Now, there are those who argue that perhaps Twitter and Facebook are essentially quasi-government, like common carriers. But I think that's dangerous to the First Amendment. You know, common carriers are trains and buses. They don't have First Amendment protection. And I do think that we have to maintain the protection of social media as long as they don't get involved with the government. Now, should the government give them special privileges, as they do, under a section of the code that says you can't sue social media for putting things up that turn out to be defamatory. These are great debates. And I think these are going to be some of the hard and, and compelling issues in the next 10 or 15 years. It's a work in progress. Yeah, that it is. And I think one of the things that struck me, Alan, as I went through these documents and also looked at the deposition of an FBI agent named Elvis Chan that has been interviewed by the Missouri and Louisiana attorney generals. Um, the FBI originally told us that its focus on censorship was Russian disinformation or foreign intervention. But we now have clear examples. There's an example in the Twitter dump over the weekend. An Indiana politician just said something about the election. The FBI said they flagged that, hey, you might want to censor that. It, it went way beyond foreign intervention. Does the FBI have a jurisdictional problem when it just starts targeting everyday American speech without a criminal predicate? Well, there's no doubt about that. And even international issues we know have become political issues. Right. You know, the Russians work together with Trump. So there's almost nothing that isn't political and partisan these days. And that's what's so dangerous about any interaction between the government and private uh, uh, social media. Now, you know, when it comes to like COVID, okay, you can understand the government saying, you might not agree with it, you can understand the government saying, look, don't put things on the internet which will cause people to die. All right, that is understandable. I'm not sure it's acceptable. But when you start getting involved in things that are subject to dispute and that everybody should hear and that doesn't endanger life, that just is not acceptable under the First Amendment. And I think there is room for litigation there. And I think there will be litigation. Yeah. Do you think, you know, over the course of these Twitter dumps, I think around the third one is when the wheels started turning for a lot of people regarding even even possibly the Hatch Act. Um, but is there enough evidence from what we have seen in all of these dumps to classify Twitter as an agent of the state? 
I think there's enough to warrant further investigation and to look more deeply and to see whether or not, in addition to the dumps, uh, subpoenas can be issued for other uh, material. I, I think this is something that cries out for investigation. Uh, by the way, I do think the Supreme Court is probably going to raise questions about the, 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 the student loans. You mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, you know, the big issue is whether or not decisions like this under our Constitution get to be made by the president or get to be made by Congress. And I think the Supreme Court is moving much more toward having these decisions made by Congress, particularly ones that involve enormous amounts of money. After all, the first article of the Constitution says that all revenue bills must originate in the House. And uh, how do you do that when the president has the power to make uh, far-reaching economic decisions? So I think we're in for uh, an important series of decisions about that as well. Yeah, that's I want to turn to that a little bit more. We had the West Virginia EPA case earlier this year, very clear message that the justices sent the administrative state. But after that, there was another attempt with the student loan cancellation program where the president tries to do something for which there isn't a congressional law he can point to. Do you think the Supreme Court comes down similarly in that case as they did in West Virginia EPA? I think so. And I think we're going to see another case if they try to reimpose the Iran deal through a presidential action. That's clearly a treaty. It looks like a treaty. It quacks like a treaty. It walks like a treaty. And that requires a two-thirds vote of the Senate. So that will be litigated as well. And I, I think the Supreme Court will take a hard look at what the president can do to circumvent the treaty requirement of two-thirds of the Senate vote. The framers of the Constitution clearly did not want treaties to be enacted without intervention by the Senate. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Okay, Alan, I want to throw another case at you. <laughs> this most uh, recent appeals court ruling regarding President Trump and the special master and the documents uh, that yeah. came from Mar-a-Lago. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that Judge Cannon was right and the 11th Circuit was wrong. I don't see any reason why the government gets to look at lawyer-client confidential information and we have to trust the government not to, with a wink and a nod, leak it to the trial team. What's the harm of having an outsider, a special master, do it? The court appointed an extremely distinguished special master, a former judge. Uh, it wasn't broke. Why should the circuit court fix it? I do think that special masters are the way to go uh, in this uh, area and that the government should not be monitoring its own conduct and looking at lawyer-client privilege information. What would happen if the government started looking at confessions by people to their priests or their rabbis or, or statements that they made to their doctors and diagnosis. Uh, this involves the right of every American to uh, privacy. And, 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 and the, the government shouldn't be the judge of whether something is privileged or not. It should be an outside former judge or somebody like that. So I think Judge Cannon had it right. Yeah, it's interesting. And a lot of lawyers I talked to felt that same way. And then the circuit turned around. We got about a minute left, uh, Alan. I want to ask you a little bit. The more the Supreme Court gets into these bigger issues, the more the politics are going to be trained on them. A lot of people trying to delegitimize the court already over the past rulings. Uh, what should yeah. we be watching for in terms of the reputation of the Supreme Court and how Americans act towards it? Well, it's so interesting. I'm in Israel and I was in a conference today because there, the right wing is trying to delegitimate the court yeah. in Israel because they're too far left. 
Now, the left in America is trying to delegitimate the court because they think it's too far right. Look, Supreme Court's with judicial review are always going to make half the people unhappy. But it's really important to have a Supreme Court that gets the last word when it comes to the Constitution. So I would hope both countries, uh, both great countries, would maintain the power of the Supreme Court to decide important constitutional issues. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Joining us right now, the president of Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton, whose group released explosive documents showing that there were early signs of problems, skeletal deformities in the testing of the COVID-19 vaccine. We got those documents from the FDA, compliments of Judicial Watch. Tom, welcome to the show. Some pretty big news here. It's uh, pretty disturbing to see these records showing uh, these vaccine tests on, on rodents. Uh, and uh, the litters of some of the rodents or significant numbers, and we can go through the percentages, but it's on our website, uh, showed skeletal malformations. And uh, the vaccine companies are saying, well, no big whoop. You know, that's not necessarily tied to the vaccines. Others would suggest otherwise, that this is a warning sign about the safety of the vaccines. Uh, The point is, this debate should have been had last year when we first asked for this material, rather than it taking 18 months in a federal lawsuit 
uh, to get this basic information out about the vaccination vaccines. Uh, plus, there's more information in this material about how uh, the RNA material uh, ends up in other parts of the body, which if you've been following this debate closely, we were assured was not the case right. uh, when the vaccines were introduced to the public. So, you know, I'm tired of the gamesmanship here. You know, we can debate the safety and efficacy of the vaccines, uh, but that only could take place when we have full information. And we still don't have full information as we're seeing with this latest drop. Yeah, amazing. And, and something that I would really love to know, and I think our audience would, too, is, you know, with all of the questions surrounding COVID, the vaccines, the way that it was handled with lockdowns, mask mandates, all of that. Um, with your story, who stifled it? Because, I mean, was it Anthony Fauci? Was it other players? And I know that you can't necessarily predict. But as far as what you're seeing and the direction it's going, who do you think it was who ultimately made the decision to suppress it? Well, you know, this is deep state. Uh, you know, we think the deep state's just Justice Department and the FBI, the CIA, et cetera. No, the deep state we've seen is the CDC, the, FD, the FDA, uh, NIH, HHS. Uh, so these public health agencies have been stalling the release of this basic information about this vaccine. And, you know, I and others have been, you know, Judicial Watch and others have been trying to get this information over their objections, information which typically would have been released more widely by now. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is the most important uh, medical treatment, arguably, in the history of modern man, these vaccines. And uh, we just finding out basic information about how they were tested and what the results were. Yeah, there's no doubt. And we're going to learn a lot more. I know through Judicial Watch is good work and other things. I wanted to get your reaction to Ron DeSantis' decision to seek a grand jury panel in Florida to look at these issues. A lot of people threw up their hands and said, well, we gave everybody uh, immunity in the early law, so nothing could be done. Ron DeSantis doesn't seem to accept that answer. How important is that development in Florida? Well, it's going to be a big legal question as to uh, whether uh, these companies or anyone else has liability over the misleading information that we've too often have received related to these what I what Justice Alito famously called irreversible medical treatments. And uh, did federal law preempt Ron DeSantis or Florida state officials ability to enforce consumer fraud and other statutes uh, in a way that protects citizens there? Uh, that's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Tom, you know, yeah, I'm out here in California and I love when I hear that Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch are, are probing something in California. You had a victory earlier this year pertaining to the, the corporate board quotas. And now you are seeking documents pertaining to the Paul Pelosi attack, um, which has seemed to be shrouded in, in mystery. And then there was a reporter out of San Francisco who was fired from their job for reporting what seemed like transparently. Um, what's the status of that? Uh, the status is we haven't gotten Jack. <laughs> we asked for and they told us no. Uh, we're, we're still, quote, investigating it. Uh, but in, the, in cases like this, you typically do get at least some public information out of the police department, uh, videos and such, and uh, we haven't gotten any of it. What was interesting, though, in, the, in, the, in, the, in responding to us, I don't have the wording in front of me exactly, but uh, the Police official went out of their way to add information about there were only two people in the house or something like that, which is usually not given. Um, details like that aren't given in response to a FOIA request. So 
they used, uh, uh, rather than give us the documents, they told us a story, which is interesting in and of itself. But uh, show us the show us the documents, uh, police officials in San Francisco. Yeah, that's it. Show us the money. That's what we need to see. Tom, uh, one thing we've gotten to see a lot of in the last week, some Twitter files, plus an extraordinary deposition from Elvis Chan, an FBI agent. The extent to which the FBI wasn't censoring Russian disinformation, censoring Russian uh, 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 actual Americans opinions. How concerning is it the, the stuff that's now into the public realm? Oh, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. We have confirmation the FBI were monitoring tweets of Americans about uh, uh, election debates and controversies, mail-in votes and such, and asking Twitter, it looks like successfully, to uh, delete uh, tweets of American citizens. The FBI has no business doing this. Every understanding I have is it's illegal for the FBI to be doing this. And I can just imagine as I've been noting over recent days, just how big a scandal this is. If this is what we're seeing in one company, Twitter, which is the smallest of the big tech companies, can you imagine what they were doing over at Facebook and Google, which owns YouTube? Uh, there, there's a lot to be gotten at here. And uh, kudos to Elon Musk for beginning uh, the disclosure of this massive government, political, and corporate scandal. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and the, and the social media thing is particularly scary. I mean, especially for my generation because we have grown up in the age of social media. And I don't know if, if any of us, not just my generation, but any Americans expected to ever see this level of censorship and suppression of free speech. And it seems like the impetus for it was social media. How do I roll it back? Well, you know, Musk is a, is a good example of you, you just need leadership from one key person and you can make some, some significant progress. Uh, the question in the media world or the big tech world, are the other companies going to be pressured to do this? Uh, you know, uh, legislatively, uh, I think uh, Congress can uh, uh, perfect Section 230 to make it clear it doesn't allow for political censorship. Or uh, more easily, uh, although the courts are probably been hesitant to do this thus far, properly interpret Section 230 to make it clear it's designed to help companies take off violence from their Internet sites or pornography. It's not designed to give them an out to censor people and act as uh, editors of people's uh, thoughts about public policy debates. Yeah, extraordinary. The more, and according to Musk, more interested in censoring political opinions and stopping uh, child exploitation on the platform. Pretty interesting revelation there. Yeah. I, I want to finish. Or just quickly, we can ban the government from asking big tech companies to take stuff down. That's right. It, but let's, we don't even have to debate change in the law That's right. for how big tech companies operate. Just stop the government from censoring us. So simple. So simple. Uh, about 30 seconds left. FTX looks like a big scandal. And what you see is if this man, according to the indictment, really began stealing money right from the beginning, aren't Democrats the ultimate beneficiary of up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 million dollars of that? Well, uh, the public reports are he's the second biggest donor to the Democratic Party. And when you have new money come in in large measures like that, you can bet those who uh, are the beneficiaries do due diligence to figure out where the That's money's right. coming from. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. 
Hey folks, John Solomon here from John Solomon Reports. I'm proud to be on the iHeartRadio app every day with my podcast, with the news that we bring, the exclusive interviews. And you know what else is great? You can listen to any iHeartRadio station anywhere in the country inside this free app. I used to listen to all sorts of radio on my AM or FM radio. Today, I don't have time to be in the car that often. You know where I listen? I listen on the iHeartRadio app. It's awesome. And they have some really cool new features, unlike anything else in the market. One of them is called Talk Back Mic. Anytime I have something to say, I tap the mic and send my voice message and then listen to hear my voice on one of my favorite shows. Isn't that cool? You can send a message to your favorite disc jockey, your favorite podcast show host. So be sure to download the iHeart app radio. If you don't have it right now, the iHeart radio app is a winner. Be sure to download the free iHeart radio app today and start streaming your favorite radio stations, your favorite podcasts, and your favorite music playlists right from the iHeart radio app. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. She is a congresswoman from the great state of New Mexico, Representative Yvette Harrell. Congresswoman, great to have you on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. You have been a clarion voice on so much of the common sense issues that Washington often forgets to talk about. And I want to start in New Mexico because a lot of people forget New Mexico is a border state. Title 42, we're just a few days away from that being lifted. Tell us what the expectation is and the impact is going to be on your state. Yeah, thank you for that question, because it's going to continue to get worse. And over the last year, you know, I've said repeatedly with Texas taking action, with Arizona taking action, New Mexico then just stacks as a funnel. And earlier last week, I actually spoke to the sitting uh, sector chief and they're seeing a huge uptick. And then we saw the numbers coming across the border earlier this week. It makes no sense to put the people, the American people in such harm's way. And we know we have a crisis at the border. And yet again, we still are saying this uh, administration refuses to do anything about it. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's depressing to see, to say the least. I wanted to ask you, though, uh, you know, it, it, with the lifting of Title 42, assuming that that does happen and things get worse, I know that I think like 49 and a half percent of New Mexico's population is Hispanic and they are disproportionately affected by open borders. So if things get worse, does that make New Mexico redder in future elections? One would hope so. But here's the thing. You know, we have so many Hispanics in New Mexico that are very upset about this open border because many of their family members came through the process, came the right way, followed the law 
took years to get here. And now here we are just, you know, rolling out the red carpet. You know, and I introduced the Pause Act in 2021, which would have kept Title 42 in play until we got all the way through this COVID and until our economy got back on track. And with that going away, uh, it is going to be even worse. And one thing that Congress can look at in the 118th is looking at agreements, repatriation agreements, meaning there are many countries that we are not able to send people back to the country of uh, their original country because we simply don't have the agreements to do so. That in and of itself would be so helpful. And I'll cite a quick example. We did see uh, immigrants being flown back to Haiti. And once they realized that they weren't going to get anywhere in the United States, that really kind of slowed down the immigration from Haitians, you know, Haitians. So we have to work on these agreements. Um, we need to do everything we can to keep the American people safe and protect our sovereignty. Yeah, so important. It's funny that such important tools aren't in place, even though we know we've been in this crisis. Uh, really important things to focus on. Congressman, I want to ask about um, the things that Republicans in the next Congress can do, because we're in divided government. Democrats have the Senate. They have the House. Oh, excuse me, the Senate and the White House. Republicans have the House. The House is the power of the purse. How can the power of the purse be used to tighten up some of these immigration issues that Joe Biden has simply ignored? Well, and you make a great point. That's exactly what they have, the power of the purse. So they don't have to fund all these projects. They don't have to fund the departments to the extent they want to be funded without utilizing and leveraging that power. And we have got to get, you know, as they say, we have operational control on the border. We don't. We need to make sure that the Border Patrol have the tools, the resources they need. And like I just mentioned, there are other ways to do it besides building the wall. We can stop the catch and release. We can reinstate the Title 42. We can get more judges on the bench. We can get more men and women on the border because right now, the men and women that are supposed to be out in the field, you know, they signed up to secure the border and work in the field. They're working as processing agents and the cost to the American people. Nobody wants to talk about what this is costing us. Yeah, great point. Yeah, I want to switch gears a little bit, Congresswoman. Um, there has been a bit of a dip in gas prices, but Americans are still suffering at the pump. And, uh, you know, I think that the Biden administration bears a lot of the blame for that. Um, you recently tweeted about how there are roughly 5,000 applications just collecting dust, waiting to get approved for permits to drill. Does it feel like the fact that those applications just sitting there and, and the energy policy of this administration, does it feel punitive? Oh, yeah. You know, and it just speaks to the, you know, the war on our American energy producers waged by this administration actually from day one when he signed the executive order to stop, you know, production of the Keystone and XL pipeline. But here we have production that is waiting and it's the, it's the, uh, you know, permits for the right of ways for producing for lease sales. We've seen one lease sale on public land in my state. This makes no sense. And to not think that energy independence is going to play a key role in not only our national security, but the way we pay for things, whether it's groceries, whether it's fuel at the gas station, uh, moving products for, to market. It, it is so sad that we're putting the American people through this when it's already compounded by the cost of you know, inflation. And here this week, interest rates inched up again. We'll see that again, I think, in the future. And so that they're allowing these things to sit on the desk and not be uh, processed it makes no sense. And it's hamstringing our energy producers. Yeah, it's amazing. 
and inflation, uh, even as we end this year, it's still high. Uh, the interest rates keep going up. Most Americans know you just can't keep spending money in an inflated economy. But Democrats, their final spending frenzy as they leave control of the House to Republicans. How concerned are you by the year-end spending deal, which it appears that House Republican leaders were cut out of a lot of concern about how much money might get poured into this economy? Oh, it's very concerning. And it's scary to think that leadership on the the Senate side, Republican leadership is far willing to connect, you know, connect with Democrats, cut deals and push this huge spending bill through when we have an open border, we have an economy that is collapsing, we have still record high inflation, and the American people don't deserve this. Uh, this should be addressed in the 118th when we can cut spending, cut waste, fraud and abuse and really address the issues at hand to try to bolster our economies here. But I am very concerned about what this looks like for the American people, because we know they've spent more in this administration than any other presidential administration in history. And to think that now we're gonna pile on more here at the end, it's not fair to the American people that expect more out of Congress. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I agree. And I, I think you're right. I think that the American people do expect more out of Congress and they have for decades and decades. And I wanted to ask you because, you know, the rest of the world, as we head into the Christmas season, everybody's slowing down, except in Washington, D.C., where the fight for speaker rages on and will for the next half month or so. Who would you like to see as the next speaker? I think Kevin McCarthy will be the speaker of the House. Um, he's worked tirelessly to get us there. We did take the majority, although not the big red wave everybody was hoping for and expected. But nonetheless, we do have a, a majority. And I think the work that he's done to get us there and Two years ago, they held every single incumbent seat and picked up countless others. And I believe when the dust settles, we'll see uh, Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the U.S. House. I'd like to flip to the other chamber because I think intuitive in the comments you made about the Senate making a deal with Democrats. Mitch McConnell has presided over some of the largest spending in American history. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of frustration among rank and file Republicans across the country, maybe not in the Senate, but across the country with his leadership. Do you like to would you like to see a change in the Senate at some point? I would if we're not going to put the American people first and do what's right for them. And it makes me sad that we're watching uh, Mitch McConnell cut deals for a gigantic spending bill here at the end of the year. If he put that much effort into cutting deals to secure the southern border and address some of these other issues that are very important to the American people, I might feel differently. But this isn't fair to the American people who are already struggling and have been for the last 18 months. This is not going to make life easier. It's going to continue to make costs go up, cost of living go up. Wages are not meeting uh, the inflation right now. This is not fair to the American people who are really struggling and having to live paycheck to paycheck. We need to do more for the American people and get our physical house in order. And it should start with making uh, you know, making decisions that really are brought to the forefront. All the leadership should be involved. Republicans have been cut out in, on the House side of a lot of these negotiations. But at the end of the day, a huge lame duck session ending with trillions of dollars being spent is not fair to the American people. Yeah, great point. I I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, Congresswoman, you are beloved by the people of New Mexico. You have consistently been a very sage voice in Congress. And I know that the people of New Mexico in particular uh, would like to know what's on the horizon for you. You know what? I have been asked by so many people to stay in the fight, and I will, because it is just too important. Our country, our state, um, and just 
to know that we have an opportunity to change the course of America by getting ourselves back on track, putting American sovereignty, American security first. So all options are certainly on the table, but I will definitely be staying in the fight. And uh, next year, we'll definitely be making some announcements for sure. That's uh, going to be music to a lot of people's ears. Uh, we got about a minute left. Any parting advice for the colleagues you're going to be leaving behind in the House? Where to start? Where to start putting this country back on the track? You know, I believe in the House uh, Republicans. I know they understand what's important to the American people. It has truly been my greatest honor serving with each and every one of them. And I've grown as a person. The team that we assembled both in New Mexico and here in Washington was incredible, delivered every day for the people of New Mexico. And I know they'll make the right decisions. We all know that we have to get the economy under control, this crime under control. We have to get the border in control. They've got their work cut out for them. It's going to be tough, but I believe under uh, Speaker McCarthy's leadership, they'll be able to do it and we'll just have to give them the support they need. But it truly has been an incredible journey and incredible honor to serve the American people in this capacity. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, we're sponsored today by Donors Trust, the tax-friendly way to preserve your charitable giving. In times of crisis, those with a giving spirit and a desire to build up civil society find ways to be helpful. And that's when it's good to have a charitable resource ready to deploy when they're needed most. Donors Trust offers donor-advised funds or giving accounts. You can use these funds as your own charitable investment account and manage your charitable giving in a way that's smart, tax-advantaged, aligned with your values, and private. Donors Trust clients are using their funds to support charities helping their local communities while also using their giving account to simultaneously support think tanks and liberty-minded organizations that believe our constitutional rights shouldn't get lost in a time of emergency. Now is the time to take a closer look at Donors Trust and join their community of liberty-minded donors by opening a donor-advised fund. Go to DonorsTrust.org slash JustNews for the ultimate survival guide to charitable giving and learn how a donor advised fund can preserve your ability to give to the charities you love. That's DonorsTrust.org slash Just News. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Joining us now is Dr. Ben Carson, the former Secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Dr. Carson, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So a very interesting news story popped up on my feed in the last week. It seems that uh, there seems to be a new financial institution on the banking horizon, Old Glory Bank, with some pretty big names attached. Yours, Larry Elder, John Rich. Tell us about Old Glory Bank and why you decided to do this. Well, you know, banks were starting to cancel people and uh, send people's information out to the government and doing things that really didn't make a lot of sense. So Old Glory Bank is, is a digital bank, uh, even though there is uh, there is a physical branch in Elmore City, uh, Oklahoma. It used to be um, the 
first state bank of Elmore City, and that opened back in 1903. It's been in continuous operation for 120 years. But wow. having a digital bank, which is uh, chartered, FDIC insured, uh, allows you basically to carry the bank in your pocket. This is sort of like banking of the future. And it, it'd be operational from sea to shiny sea. Uh, we're launching our great mobile app uh, banking uh, platform in early March of 2023. Uh, I am, for full disclosure, a member of the board of directors and a stockholder uh, because I, I really believe in, in making sure that people have financial freedom. And, you know, there are a lot of things that this bank will do. Uh, no fee uh, accounts, free overdraft protection, uh, free ATMs, early direct deposit. And uh, when you do business with somebody who is another member of the bank, the, the money never has to exit outside of the system. You get direct payments to individuals, so there's no waiting involved. So there are a lot of things here that I think will be very appealing uh, to a lot of people. But uh, the other thing that I, I have to point out is that uh, it's the first uh, chartered bank that uh, openly supports America, that supports our, fa our flag, our freedom, patriotism, the military, our first responders. And uh, we don't make any bones about the fact that uh, those are areas that we will be uh, emphasizing. Yeah, and wow. your effort to reverse cancel culture here, too, because it's moved from the social media space now to the financial sector, whether it's PayPal trying to find people for point of view, uh, banks saying they're not going to cover gun transactions, credit cards, people uh, trans, uh, uh, tracking Second Amendment transactions. You've created something that's going to be insulated from all of that pressure, haven't you? Absolutely. And, and that's the whole purpose. we got to skirt it because, you know, cancel culture is probably here to stay. Um, as long as we have people who want to control everybody else's thought process and their speech. Uh, but we have ways around it, and we can provide alternatives. And I think that's going to be the salvation of our nation, our ingenuity, our creativity, our recognition of those factors that are destroying our nation and finding solutions to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Secretary, under the Trump administration, you and the folks who you worked with, those, I, I think that your accomplishments were among some of the biggest for the Trump administration, not, not just the financial sector in urban communities, but opportunities, uh, education. I mean, it runs the gamut of accomplishments. As far as the Biden administration and the actions that they have taken to either continue the policies that you instituted or to make adjustments, are, are you disappointed in what the Biden administration has done with regards to urban communities? Well, you know, I would like to see more done. Let me put it that way. Um, they, they have not abolished our programs, uh, which is good. Uh, one of the things that we did was made sure as we developed programs that we developed them with the career people, the people who've been there 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, because first of all, they have important things to say. And secondly, uh, we want them to feel some ownership of those programs so that when administrations change, you don't necessarily change all the policies. And, you know, that traditionally is what happens in Washington, D.C. And that's why we don't make progress. We just lurch 
you know, to the right, lurch to the left, back to the right, back to the left. And we really need to be thinking about the people. And on a much larger, larger scale than just HUD, can you imagine how the American people would respond if we actually had leadership that cared about what's important to them? and uh, wasn't just uh, looking at the political advantages for themselves. I think that's what we're direly in need of right now. Yeah, getting, getting Washington to focus on that is such a challenge. The uh, inner cities, urban areas have really been feeling the pinch of inflation. You see these stories of people draining their in life insurance accounts to just get daily cash to survive on. You've got the crime problem, inflation problem, food and supply shortages. What sort of things can be done to start to bring some sanity back to our urban centers in the midst of this very difficult economy? Well, you know, recognize that a lot of this difficulty is self-inflicted. It does not have yeah. to be going on. You know, we were energy independent. Uh, we had the cleanest air and water. We were a net exporter of energy. Uh, these were wonderful things, and they laid a wonderful uh, financial foundation for us. And what we did by changing all of that is inflict horrible inflation on everything that has to do with energy and transportation. But we also put the keys of energy in the hands of Vladimir Putin. And, of course, there's no way that he would have done what he's doing if we hadn't done that. So these things have domino effects uh, that are far-reaching. And we have to recognize that when we do things that don't make sense, uh, we're hurting not only ourselves but the rest of the world in the whole process of doing that. And I think it's really time for us to recognize as Americans that we're not each other's enemies. You know, people who want green renewable energy are not the enemies of people who want fossil fuels and vice versa. But if we're going to be smart, we need to say, let's use what we have to get what we want. Let's use our fossil fuels effectively. And uh, that will create the foundation for being able to make progress with energy in the future. Yeah, so important. Now, I want to switch gears to something political, of course. Um, you you are considered a sage voice, I think, in so many different arenas, of course, uh, running for the GOP nomination in 2016, but then serving as HUD secretary. And in the public sphere, you are just such a, a, a sage and wise person. And I'm wondering if that extends to, I know you have a very close friendship with President Trump, and he uh, is running again in 2024. I imagine you've had some conversations with him where you offer some of your wisdom to him. Uh, give, us, give us a little eyeball into that world. Well, you know, the president really, people have to recognize that he didn't have to get into the political arena. It would have been to his advantage not to do so uh, financially and in every other way. But he was very concerned about what was happening to our country. You can go back and look at one, one of his interviews with Oprah about 30 years ago, and she asked him about running for president. He said, that's something that I would not like to do. But if we ever get to a point where our country is about to go off the cliff, I would do it. Well, we were at that point. And, uh, you know, can you imagine what would have happened if Trump had not won and we had three more radical uh, Supreme Court justices, not to mention other judicial appointments? Uh, I think we'd have been gone already, quite frankly. But, um, you know, it has it has worked out. 
whether he will run again uh, and be the nominee, you know, wait is to be seen. I think there's going to be a fair amount of competition and there'll be a process uh, that will uh, allow the cream to rise to the top. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Joining us now is one of those incoming freshmen of Congress. He flipped the blue seat red just last month. Congressman-elect Corey Mills. Congressman-elect, great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'd love to just get your impressions. You've been through this for a couple of weeks now. You've gotten a sense of the real Washington behind the Marvel Asylum. Some of your first impressions, please. Well, I can tell you, you know, I kind of had thought after the elections that I would have a little bit of a downtime uh, prior to starting up. Obviously, I know that we don't have any time to waste. Uh, the Republican Party jumped immediately into the GOP conference and orientations, which has gone on for about three weeks now. Um, really late nights, but going through ethics and all the process and procedures, making sure staffing is in place, uh, looking at rule amendments and, and you know, obviously sharing and, and uh, debating on different rules and things like this. So, um, so far, you know, I think that it's been a really good experience. I think that uh, it's never great being in the swamp. Uh, not my first time <laughs> here in the swamp, unfortunately, because I was a SecDef advisor uh, under President Trump and had worked up here with uh, some of the different departments and agencies in the past, but uh, definitely, you know, just really eager to get back to my district and deliver for the people in the seventh district. Yeah, important. Yeah, you already had a little bit of a primer on the swamp. I wanted to ask you, though, because I think that a lot of Republican voters are looking to this freshman class of which you are a part of. I believe there are 27 new Republicans heading into the House. Um, and a lot of Republican voters, I think, are hoping that, that the 27 of you will have an outsized impact, possibly on folks who have been in the House for a long time, most notably uh, McCarthy. So my question to you is, where do you stand on this speakership fight? And uh, and also that of your of your colleagues, the other freshmen. Well, you know, it's very interesting. I think that from a freshman perspective, all of us have kind of a different take. And I think that might be from uh, whether it's the state that we're in, the district we're in, our own personal political uh, understandings and kind of where our values are and things. I, I certainly see where more help was given to certain seats than others. I think that that's obviously going to influence things. Um, you know, but right now I'm actually still looking at the fact of, you know, trying to find where the bathroom is before I'm even worried about all the other stuff. I mean, I, I'm so fresh 
into this that, you know, my big thing is just to try and get our, our office established. And what I'm really focused on right now is our constituent outreaches. You know, with the redistricting that just went on, we had kind of an amalgamation of uh, Representative Stephanie Murphy's district, which was District 7, was blue, and Michael Waltz's district, uh, which was more red for CD6. Those are now kind of combined. So I couldn't do the typical thing where I just take over a member office and start constituent services and casework handover. We're actually having to build everything from scratch. And that's really where all of my focus and attention has been on, not to mention that, you know, talking with other steering committee members and trying to get the committee assignments that I think that I could add the most value on. Um, those are all the things that I I've personally been focusing on more so than even the speakership race or any of the things that's yet to come and that we don't even know who the actual people who throw their hat in the ring is, is involved. Uh, I think there's still a lot of discussion around that. And I think that right now what we're seeing is, is where, you know, some members, they come in and they already have an established office and all these things. But for us, with the redistricting year, we're literally starting at scratch. And so my priority is on constituent outreach services and, and making sure that we're ready to answer the calls. Just the way the founding fathers intended it. Now, you've, you've served your country in uniform. You served in the civilian side. Now you're serving in Congress. I wanted to get your take on the trade for Brittany Griner for Victor Bout. I know a lot of people, everyone's happy that American Brittany Griner's home. But did Putin get the better end of this deal? Well, absolutely he did. And he controlled the negotiation through the entire phase. I think that we've already established that since the failed Afghan botch withdrawal, yeah. that we have lost any type of credibility on the world stage. Uh, the China-Russia-Iran-North Korea geopolitical alignment continues to grow strength as a superpower as America continues to try and do what they can on their apology tour. The, I, I'm always happy any time that we rescue any American or we save any American or we get any American home. Obviously, that's very important to us. But we should have never have actually been put in this position whereby Vladimir Putin and Russia controlled every element of this. There's two things that really concern me with this. One, you know, I was part of the Trump administration where when we actually got Americans back, we didn't have to give anything in return. You know, there was peace through strength and there was actually proper negotiations. Again, you're talking about the guy who is, you know, art of the deal, right? So he understands negotiations better than others. But what I saw here was not only that we didn't push hard for veteran, you know, Marine uh, Paul Whelan or uh, for another person who was there who was an educator who was arrested in 2021 for a very similar thing for cannabis, uh, Mark Vogel out of uh, Pennsylvania. You know, we didn't fight to ensure that every American came back. We prioritized celebrity status, identity politics, and what was going to give us the most kind of political optics bandstand for the left. That was what they focused on. You know, they just traded a guy who's known as the merchant of death, a guy who's responsible for tens of thousands of genocidal murders that occurred in Africa and other places around the world, who's really a former GRU guy who was sent to language school. And if you wanted to really trace it back, he's most likely one of Vladimir Putin's arms dealers that helped to funnel billions of dollars into his own bank accounts. You know, this is a guy who never should have seen the light of day. This is a guy that we never should have actually been willing to trade. But we also have to acknowledge the fact that what we've done is we've set a very, very dangerous precedence. We have now told every dictator and tyrannical ruler that the cost on Americans is a lot higher. So wrongful imprisonment, if they don't like a tariff that's coming on, wrongful imprisonment, if they don't like an upcoming trade, wrongful imprisonment if they you know feel that we're there having diplomatic isolation. They've now actually made Americans a bargaining chip overseas, and that's what concerns me the most here. Congressman-elect, before we go, I wanted to ask you, I, I know you've been making a lot of preparations for your first term, including finding the bathroom, which I agree is very important. But on the <laughs> list of priorities for you heading into your first term, what are some of the most important things you want to see happen? 
Well, you know, I'm all about promises made, promises kept on the campaign trail. And I've started to deliver on that even before being sworn in on January 3rd. As, as you may know, I have joined and supported the H resolution inquiry that Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and others put forward to do a 100% audit and transparency to the American people on Ukrainian funds that's been allocated. The second thing I've done is, is I've been very blessed to work with Congressman Greg Stubbe, who's a great, great Florida representative. Uh, we've worked with his office to co-sponsor one of his bills to go ahead and ban the foreign ownership and purchase of American land so that we can not only protect our, our American farmlands, but protect our lands across the border. So that was the second one. The third one is, is that our legislative director and my chief of staff and I have been working on a third bill that we're going to present into the hopper as soon as I get elected or as soon as I get sworn into office. And that's a publishing house bill. This bill will actually make any type of publication or any type of distribution of inappropriate pornographic materials by publishing houses like Scholastic or McGraw-Hill or anything like that, a federal uh, felony. And so they would actually be prosecuted under a fel- uh, felony offense if they try to distribute pornographic inappropriate wow. material to our children and underage wow. in our public libraries. We have to stop the indoctrination. We have to stop the sexualization. We have to empower parental rights. And that's what this is about. All right, folks, that wraps up the Sunday edition of John Solomon Reports. Thank you for following following along, listening. Thanks to all the great guests. A lot of great food for thought in these conversations the last several days. Big issues ahead of America. Censorship, the border, uh, COVID-19 origins, the Hunter Biden scandal. Lots to absorb. Uh, that part of the reason we have the conversations we do on this show is to help you get facts so you can make up your own mind about what's right, what's wrong, what you want your elected leaders to do, what you want the policies to be. And I think today we had five really uh, illuminating guests. Really want to thank all of them for the time they spent with Amanda and I this week on the TV show. All right, that wraps it up. We'll be back Monday. Expect some big news this week. I got some investigative scoops coming over the horizon. Keep an eye on them. I think you'll enjoy them. That wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, God bless you and God bless this extraordinary country of the United States as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Can't pay the IRS? Haven't filed in a while? Receiving threatening letters? Yeah, it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA employs brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited-time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify 
before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit taxnetworkusa.com slash victor. taxnetworkusa.com slash victor.